Alrighty. It is, uh, such, uh, it is such an honor and, uh, and privilege to be here this morning. Uh, now, uh, maybe there's a photo. Oh, there is. There I can see a photo. Um, so in Adelaide, okay, my name um, is uh, Pastor David Hamelainen. I pastor a church called IC Church in Adelaide, spelled I-S-E-E. And uh, it is a prophetic statement. That is the name of our church in Genesis chapter 13, uh, verse 14. Um, God says to Abraham, look to the north, the south, the east and the west. Everything you see, this is a prophetic statement, having not yet been obtained, but requiring a step of faith, because Abraham didn't know where God was sending him. So everything you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. So I see church, it's a faith statement. And uh, so that's the name of our church. And so uh, Adelaide, born and bred, uh, was in Brisbane for almost 10 years and two years ago. Uh, That is my lovely wife, Nikki. This was on Mother's Day this year. Um, And there's our beautiful uh, three sons, uh, Judah on the right. He's got crazy eyes in this photo. Um, That expression is not too far away from his personality. Okay, we call him Party Central, and uh, he uh, he brings a lot of uh, laughter um, to our home, and uh, and so sorry. Uh, Judah is our youngest; he's seven. Uh, Oscar in the middle; uh, he just turned ten, and Max is our teenager, thirteen years of age, uh, is uh, on the left hand side. So uh, they all send you when uh, all, all our. Biggest blessing this morning, and my wife is running church for us in Adelaide at Hoyt's Cinema in Norwood. So we say when people come to Hoyt's, turn right for entertainment, turn left for encounter with Jesus. And uh, so uh, that's what we're doing there. Can we? Can I open up God's Word this morning? And uh, let's uh, let's preach. But can I say this? I say that plurally this morning. Let's all actively preach together. Amen. This is not a spectator sport. When we open up God's Word. We're here to just ingest it and devour it and consume all of us. And so, you know, if there's something that resonates with you, you can even step into agreement this morning. You might say, amen. You might go, come on. That might even shoot a bit more faith in me this morning to keep going. And uh, in the church that I was saved in, in Adelaide many years ago, there would be a lady. And if she agreed with the preaching, she would go, puff of glory. So I'm not looking for any puffs of glory this morning, but I'll take a come on and an amen. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we honor and we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, there's generations past. They could only dream, uh, only believe for a day that they would have access, personal access to your written, inspired, divine, authoritative word. But yet we live in a day and age that we have access to it every single day. And so, Lord, we honor it this morning. It is useful for the teaching. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, let it pierce, God, our heart and our spirit. Let it cause transformation, leading, uh, uh, sorry, revelation, leading to transformation in our life this morning. Holy Spirit, let our ears be open. Let our heart be ready to receive what the Spirit of God, what you, Holy Spirit, would want to say to us this morning. And all of God's people said, Amen. Uh, it was a few years ago uh, when uh, Max, my eldest son, was a little bit younger. My wife and I were in the lounge room. This was when we were living in Brisbane. And uh, he'd been watching a, a movie in our study. And he comes walking down 
the, uh, the hallway into the lounge room as my wife and I were sitting on the couch. And he literally walks up to us and he says, hello, gorgeous, right? Very animated, doing the arm action like that. And we're like, excuse me? And so he backs off a little bit. He goes back in and he does his grand entrance into the room again, right? Just up to my wife and I and he says, hello, gorgeous, right? So I'm like, what is he on about? Anyway, I followed him back to the study and he was watching an animated sort of cartoon, Alvin and the Chipmunks. And Alvin, it was one of the lines he said, he'd go up to people saying, hello, gorgeous, right? So for the remainder of the day, uh, our eldest son, uh, he was walking around the house going, you know, looking at the cat, hello, gorgeous, right? All day. That night, I'm laying in bed, just doing my personal devotions, had the Bible out on this particular occasion. I don't actually read this translation super often, but I was reading the Message Translation Bible. Who's heard of that translation? And um, I was in the book of James, and I'm reading it, and this phrase jumps off the page. Right? I was expecting, hello, gorgeous. And it says this, hello, faith under pressure. And I thought to myself, man, my eldest son is way more encouraging than the Word of God. Here all day, my son's been walking up to my wife and I saying, hello, gorgeous. Now here I am doing my personal devotions. I open up the Word of God and God's word to me that night was, hello, faith under pressure. So this morning, I want to speak to you on the topic of faith under pressure. Come on, we're all preaching this morning. You're helping me out. Let's do that again. Faith under pressure. Can I tell you a legendary story told by my dad to me when I was growing up and we'd go camping? So I have sort of like a bit of a camping outback, fishing, shooting kind of, you know, know, parents growing up. They're from a country called Finland. It means that, you know, they speak a language called, called Finnish. I am officially the only Finnish product in the building this morning. Where's a drummer when you need it? But bum Okay. I'm a Finnish product. It's true. And um, so the story goes like this. True story. My dad and my uncle were going on a fishing trip from Adelaide into Kakadu in the Northern Territory. So they leave Adelaide in their four-wheel drive, heading north, and they stop in a small town. And in this small town... Uh, there was a couple of individuals uh, whose car had broken down and they were asking for a tow. Would my father and my uncle, would they help tow the vehicle to the next town, which was about 100 kilometres further north? They said, look, the part we need isn't in this town. Hey, would you help us out with a tow to the next town? Because the next town has the part that we need. Now, they're very generous people, so they oblige. They hook up a tow rope. They tow this car north 100 kilometres to the next town, they drop them off, they keep driving up to Darwin, fishing, camping for a week. Well, on the return trip, now they're heading north, uh, sorry, they're heading south, back to Adelaide, and they again stop in a small town, put fuel in the car, and they see this very same car hundreds of kilometres further north, going up towards Alice Springs, than where they dropped the car off a week earlier. Are you following the story? And so they put fuel in the car, they go into the pub and get a bit of a counter meal for lunch, and they would have been there for about an hour. Anyway, over this hour, it was only a very small outback country town. They can't see these two other individuals anywhere. So anyway, curiosity got the best of my dad, and they thought, I wonder, you know, we can't see these guys anywhere. I wonder what was wrong with the car. And they walked over, and the windows were down, and no one was around. And, and so 
I don't know what came over either my dad or my uncle. And so they went to the car and they, you know, it looked like the car had almost been abandoned. There was, you know, no one there. And so they popped the bonnet on the car and lifted their bonnet and to their shock and horror, there is no engine in the car. I've grown up, this is a legendary Hamelanian story. Every time we'd go camping, come, who knows if there's stories around the campfire. Now, I don't know if this story has got bigger and better as each year, you know, sort of went on, but this is the story I've grown up in, a legendary Hamelanian story. And the shock and horror was this. Yes, the car was broken. Yes, the car needed a part, and that part happened to be an entire engine. And instantly, my dad and my uncle realized that they had been had, and these people are asking gullible people, will you help tow us to the next town because our car is broken down and the next town has the part that we need. And someone else had actually towed them further north than where my dad and my uncle had dropped them off. Can I suggest to you this morning that in the same way a car requires an engine, the believer, a Christian, requires faith. Here we go. Faith is the engine that is driving your relationship with Jesus. Faith is the engine in you. Faith is the substance unseen. It is faith that is the engine of every Christian believer. Now, I want you to catch this. And without personal faith, you are only being towed along by someone else. How do I know that to be true? I know that is absolutely true because I have three sons. And every single Sunday, guess what? We tow our kids to the house of the Lord. Come on, raise them up in the house of God so they would not, you know, raise them up in the Word of God so they shall not depart from it. But as a pastor, as, sorry, as a father, I'm praying and I'm believing that there's going to become a time in each of my son's life that that tow rope gets cut, the tow rope gets severed, and they get to a personal, they, they have a personal revelation of Jesus. Come on, they repent of their sins, they invite Jesus into their life to be their personal Lord and Savior. In that moment, faith is authored, come on, in their life. And they no, longer be, they no longer need to be towed along because the engine of faith has been deposited in their life through personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. So can I ask you a question this morning? We're talking on faith. Did you drive yourself here this morning? Or were you towed here by someone else? There is a great personal question. I'm not looking at anybody. This was me. I never grew up in church. At the age of 16, had an incredible encounter with Jesus. Boom. Faith just entered my heart. This is what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who earnestly, or another translation says, diligently seek him. So my question to you this morning is, what is faith? Is faith belief? I just, I believe in God. Well, I remember being a young person in youth, Satan believes in God. 
is Satan a Christian following Jesus with all of his heart? Well, probably not. I dare say my Bible says no. Let's just leave that there and move on. Is, is faith uh, trust? You know, I, I, I trust. Can, can I give you a Pastor Dave Hammer's definition? And sorry, we live in Australia and Australia loves nicknames. And so I've just grown up with the nickname of Dave Hammer's and uh, caught up with a pastor yesterday. And he was like, Hammer's, good to see you. And used to pick him up for about three years straight, bringing him to youth and, and everything back in, uh, back in well, a long time ago, early thousands. But there you go. So I've had to, here's the Dave, Pastor Dave Hammer's definition. I'm going to suggest this morning that faith is more than just believing. Faith is more than just having a bit of a trust. Faith actually requires a bit of a verb, a bit of an action, a bit of a doing on our behalf. It is belief and it is trust being outworked. It is requiring action. It is requiring us to outwork faith in our life every single day. Can, can I just break it down a little bit further? If you take an engine out of a car, it is no longer a car. It is a carriage. Come on now. You take the engine out of the car, auto, automobile means the the, it is mobile automatically because of the engine inside that is driving it. But as soon as you take an engine out, it is no longer a car, it is a carriage. Come on, it has to be pulled along by something else. So that tells me if you have the engine of faith in your life as a believer, pursuing Jesus, going after Him, yes, we, need, we believe in God. Yes, we need to trust in Him, but it has to be actively outworked in our life today. What are you doing in your life today actually involves or requires faith. Faith and belief outworked in our life today. Can I, can I tell you a, a little story that I actually heard probably within the first month of being a Christian. In the 1860s, there was a tightrope walker. His name was Charles Blondin. And there was a tightrope set up across Niagara Falls. And every day, thousands of people would come to hear him preach. Uh, sorry, preach. He didn't preach. Maybe he did, but uh, they would come to see him do this great feat of walking across a tightrope of uh, across Niagara Falls. So thousands of people, the, the crowds would would turn up. He would walk across, and he'd walk back again, and the crowd, yeah, Charles, you're the man, Charles, you're amazing. Well, this one day, as thousands of people again this day turn up to see Charles do what Charles had done every single day for you know the last sort of year of his life. Charles Blondin turns to the crowd and he says, who believes I can walk across this tightrope? The crowd goes, yeah, Charles, you're the man, of course. Who trusts that I can walk across this tightrope? Yeah, Charles, we trust that you can do it because we've seen you do it. And then he turns to the crowd and says, well, who's willing to jump on my back as I go across one more time? And in a crowd of a thousand, one small hand goes up at the back of the crowd and he puts his hand up and he goes, Charles, not only do I believe you can do it, not only do I trust you can do it, I'm willing to put my life in your hands 
take a step out and I'm actually willing to outwork that faith I have in you and get on your back today. My question to you this morning, church, is this. Out of a thousand people in the crowd, who really had faith that day? That guy, who would agree? Come on, faith requires action on our behalf. Faith in Jesus being a Christian is not ticking a little to-do box of two hours on a Sunday. You know, it's great we need to come fellowship with one another. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. You know that you sharpen the pastors as much as they sharpen you? Because iron on itself doesn't sharpen itself. It, it requires us coming together and his faith being stirred in this place. But church, it needs to be outworked on a Monday. It needs to be outworked on Tuesday in your high school, Wednesday at your place of employment, Thursday with your unsaved family members. My dad is unsaved for the first six months of my life. He did everything in his power to stop me from being a Christian and attending church. But I couldn't deny what God had done in my heart and the authentic encounter I'd had with, I, I, I had with God. Now, he's not saved yet. He, I call him, he's a not yet Christian. But he is closer to God than he's ever been. And I came to the Lord 28 years ago. But can I say this? I've got faith and belief just to keep pressing in, just to keep praying. You know why? Because my grandmother prayed over our family for 40 years and saw no, saw no one saved. And in six months, nine family members got saved. Six months later, she went to be with the Lord. I'm the result today of a praying grandmother. Can I just speak into it? It's not in my notes and I'm just, I am looking at the time here. If I'm 43 years of age. I'm in the prime of my spiritual life. I, I thought that was when I was 20 or 25 or 30. Can I say, if you're a grandparent in this place, come on. You are the most lethal weapon in this. Come on. You are a lethal weapon. Okay, uh, and again, this is not the culture of this church, so I'm not coming against anything, but this is a word of encouragement. You are not on the shelf. I, well, I, need, I need more mature Christians, I'll say, in our church. A lot of our church is young families because that's probably who Nikki and I are. I'm like, Lord, I want more 50 plus people in my church. I want some more amazing greys. I need some people that aren't just going to give our, our church lip service, but I'm looking for a generation that's walked the walk, that's walked through the valley, that's fought the battles, that has a bit of singeing on the outside, maybe the smell of smoke or residue on the ground, but they're still walking for Jesus. They're still faithfully going for Him. Can I get an amen? You are not past your expiry date. You are not on the shelf. You are an absolute valuable part of this. This church needs you. This church needs you to, to go to the bowling club this week and empty it out in the name of Jesus and get them here this Sunday. Why? Because you are in the prime of your spiritual life. Because of a, a praying grandmother, she passed away in her 80s. Nine family members are born again, saved believers, Christians in my family because of her. Right? Yet some of the 20-year-olds, they walk around like we know everything. You've got a few things to learn. Keep that passion. Keep going. And let other people, let the Swiss Army knife keep chipping stuff away. Here we go. All right. 
So not only do we need faith, the Bible tells us what we must do with our faith. Right? I have it on the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Who's heard that scripture before? That tells me, amazing, the Apostle Paul writing to a church, this is a letter to a church. So this could be the Apostle Paul writing this, saying this to One Heart Church in Port Lincoln. Hey, church, you need to walk by faith, not by sight. Walk is a doing word. If, if faith is an action, if faith is a walking action, if I'm to walk in faith, it also tells me this. Maybe I can stumble in my faith. Come on. Maybe I can fall in my faith, right? If we're to walk, who's ever walked down a sidewalk and one part slightly ajar and above and in this day and age, they'll like sue the council. In my day and age, we just got up, dusted our knee off and kept walking. But here's the thing. If we are, if we are to walk by faith, that actually tells me my faith in Jesus is taking me somewhere. To walk means that I start at point A and I end up in point B, but it is faith that has got me there. Can I ask you another question, church? Where is your faith taking you? Where are you today as opposed to 12 months ago that is now a different, different destination all because of steps of faith you've taken? Wow, that's a challenge to me. Here we go. I love this scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Still in the book of Hebrews, next chapter. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love this, verse two, and let, our, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. What does it say? The author and the perfecter of our what? Wow. So like I said, when I gave my life to Jesus, he authored faith in my life. But can I say this? If you've ever stumbled, tripped, fallen in your faith, welcome to the human race. Because when you gave your heart to Jesus, he authored faith in your life, but your faith isn't perfect. This is what the scripture says. He is the author, but as long as we keep following him, he is also the perfecter of our faith. You read through the New, uh, the New Testament and it talks about individuals and disciples. Yeah, at times it refers to them as having little faith. Sometimes it's just faith. It talks about a centurion, greater faith than this, Jesus says, have I not seen? It talks about great faith. I want to give to you one of the most encouraging scriptures in all of the New Testament. It's an incredible encouragement when it comes to the area of our walk with Jesus and our faith life with him. Here we go. Luke chapter 17, put it on the screen. Verse five, I love this. And the apostle, the Lord had sent the apostles out to do miracles and wonders. They come back to the Lord and say, oh Lord, we tried, but we just couldn't do it. What are you, what are you doing, G? Like, man, we, 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 you know, we tried to heal the sick and that didn't happen. What, they had taken steps of faith, hadn't seen the outcome they were believing for, and now they return to Jesus feeling like failures. No, exactly. Here's the thing. You don't need to put your hand up. 
have you ever felt like a bit of a failure in your faith walk? I have, right? But here we go. But now the apostles return to Jesus, the Lord, and they ask him this question, Lord, would you increase our faith? Wow. You know why? This is one of the most stirring, motivating, encouraging scriptures in all of the word of God. It's because this is recorded in Luke chapter 17, not Luke chapter 3. And you're saying, Pastor Dave, I have no idea what you're talking about. What's the difference between 17 and Luke chapter 3? Well, in Luke chapter 17, they've been walking with the Lord every day for three years. Personal, they've seen the miracles. The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walking on the water, calming the storm in the boat. They've seen Peter step out of the boat, walking on water. Like my goodness, three years, every day, every night, walking with the physical incarnation of Jesus Christ in the flesh, being taught by him, being led by him, being shown miracles and wonders by him. But yet now they still come back to the Lord and say, Lord, would you increase our faith that tells me that I can be walking with the Lord for 28 years which I have been and it's still okay for me to come back to the Lord and say Lord would you increase my faith it's just lacking at the moment I'm going through a valley season in my life I'm just I'm I feel like I'm I'm just I'm being attacked in my faith life right now if the apostles can say that to the Lord, having lived with him. I think that's a great prayer for you and I to pray regularly. Lord, would you increase my faith today? My son, just before he turned 14, was diagnosed with what's called Perthes disease. In the top of his femur, the the ball uh, of the femur that goes into the hip socket was literally crumbling away. I've got, we we have uh, x-rays to show on his left side a perfectly, you know, perfectly round uh, hip bone, hip, the, the ball that goes in the socket on his right hip, crumbling, literally looking like Swiss cheese. Can I tell you, as a pastor and as a dad, I had little faith. I had weak faith. I was discouraged. Come on, Lord, we're serving you. We're building your house. And can I say this? There's a lot of more tragic circumstances and situations, I'm, I'm sure, in this room. But I've got to get myself that place. Lord, would you increase my faith? You know, and I'm here to say, four or five years later, he's playing basketball, playing sport. God's brought healing into that area of his life. Why? Because we're just going to keep pursuing him in faith. Awesome. Not only is Jesus, and i close with this, not only is Jesus the uh, author of our faith, He is the perfecter of our faith. How can I illustrate that to you? I, um, my dad is a Matsumatsu physics, or was, he's retired now, was a Matsumatsu physics senior of school. Very, very intelligent man. So for me growing up, I I just like documentaries. Um, I'm just, I like asking questions, dissecting, digging, like I'm 100% passionate And then I just like getting my hands dirty. And so I'm very much like that when it comes to the Word of God. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be reading the Bible and I go, what? 
that just doesn't make sense to me. Have you ever had that thought? So here I am in the book of Exodus. I'm reading through the stories of, of God with his called people, the, the nation of Israel. And, and God comes to Moses, meets him at the burning, bu- burning bush. And God says, Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh I'm about to deliver my people, release my people out of Egypt. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and you are to go up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Who's familiar with this story? Okay. I have a big problem with this story and I'll tell you why in a minute. You know what's amazing? Egypt in Hebrew means constriction. God was saying, I'm going to liberate you out of Egypt and I'm going to send you a place that I promised you, the land of Canaan, C-A-N-A-A-N. Canaan in Hebrew means without limit. Wow. Can I just paint a picture of what Jesus has done in your life if you've given your life to him? It is the heart, the father heart of God. It is the love of God that wants to take every single human being, his sons and daughters, out of a place of constriction and take them to a place without limit or without measure. Amen. So God comes to Moses saying, I'm wanting to liberate my people from a place of constriction, but you need to go up to Pharaoh and I'm sending you to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land without limit or without measure. Well, that sounds pretty good to Moses, except Moses doesn't feel like he's good enough to be the one to do it. Do you know the story? So Moses is like, oh, I've got a stutter and I can't speak. He's got an inferiority complex. He's incredibly insecure, right? So, and he ends up building up, mustering up the courage, right? After not really wanting to do it. We know the story. And he, and he walks up to Pharaoh. Now, can I, who has told Moses to go to Pharaoh? God, okay, just, it's important. So Moses goes up to Pharaoh, musters everything he has, and he's there with, his, uh, with Aaron as well, and he says, let my people go. What does Pharaoh say? No. Does anybody else have a problem with this story? I have a major problem with it. Who told Moses to go to Pharaoh? What did Pharaoh say? Why would God do that? Especially when I read my Bible and it says it is the Lord that hardened Pharaoh's heart. That makes it even worse. God's playing both sides. So hang on. So what I'm meant to be encouraged with in the Word of God is God is going to tell me to go and do something and then for other people to say no and it's going to be a complete failure. Thank you, Lord. I feel incredibly encouraged. What a great word of encouragement. I didn't feel like doing it. I had insecurity. I felt inadequate. I finally get myself to the place going, Okay, I know I've heard from the Lord. Now I'm going to go to Pharaoh and then you harden Pharaoh's heart. I have a major problem with this story. Until I realise that God is in the know. See, 
it actually requires faith to step out of Egypt, to be released from Egypt. It took faith to go to Pharaoh, right? But God isn't just interested in faith to leave Egypt. Here we go. God's interested in something even greater than that. God's interested in a measure of faith that's willing to step into the promised land. So when plague after plague hits Egypt, not only are the Egyptians going through the locusts, come on, the frogs, the Nile turning to blood, God's people have to go through that as well. God's people start coming to Moses, so it's demanded of them, hey, keep building bricks, but we're not gonna give you this. And now we're gonna make it harder on you. The people are coming to Moses going, hey, bad idea, stop going to Pharaoh. But God, you've put it on my heart. I can't shake it. Pharaoh, would you let out my people go? No. Why would God allow this cycle to happen? Because after every plague that swept through, God's actually building and reinforcing the faith. Come on now. The faith of his people. Are you still going to trust me? Are you still going to follow me? Are you going to get the block out and pull the engine out and walk away from me? Come on now. Or are you going to allow me to take that four cylinder to a six cylinder for that six cylinder? Are you going to allow me to upgrade that? Come on now to a VA engine of faith in your life. If we had to walk by that, it took faith to leave Egypt. It took faith to believe on God for manna and quail in the desert. It took faith in the journey, in the middle. We sung about in the middle in the worship. It took faith in all of that. But can I suggest this? It took faith under pressure. Wow. I I really want to stir you with this thought. You know what? It takes a measure of faith. Every student has done this. Lord, if you get me through this exam tomorrow, I'll follow you all the days of my life. Come on. That is a prayer to get out of Egypt. Agree? Lord, if you just, you know, if you, if you just help me get over this sickness, Lord, I promise I'll get to church this Sunday and be a good Christian. We've all prayed those prayers. They are prayers to step out of Egypt. But what about faith to believe, Lord, I believe you've promised me a life partner. That's stepping into the promised land, the promises that God has for your life. Lord, I'm stepping into that financial provision and, and blessing and I'm, I'm, I'm stepping into that, that, that pay increase in my work. I'm gonna step into the promise, Lord, of being able to bear children when the doctors have said everything's impossible. Lord, I'm gonna step into believing for the hip of my son when the doctor said there is no cure and there, that takes greater faith to step into a place called Canaan that is without limits. It takes a measure of faith to step out of the trial. It takes great faith to step into a land that God is promising you the promise and call of God on your life without measure or without limit. If I could have the band come up. Come on. Now, and I'm praying for some people before we're done. Can I now read to you the scripture that I read that night in my personal devotions? It's found in James chapter 1. And I close with this. It says this, 
Because it's easy to go, God, where are you in the midst of the pressure? Where are you in the midst of the valley and the fight? And this is what I read that night. I, James, am a slave of God, the master Jesus, writing to the 12 tribes scattered to kingdom come. There's a word of encouragement. All of God's people, the 12 tribes of Israel, just scattered everywhere. Persecution hit the early church. This is James writing, hello, faith under pressure. Christian, believer, follower of Jesus, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. What? What? Why should I consider this a gift? God, if you're for me and not against me, surely I shouldn't have to walk through this. But that's not what James says. Consider it a sheer gift. Why should we consider it a gift? And then he explains it. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colours. That's when Cindy Lauper walks into the building, starts singing. Here we go. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Don't try and get out of a pressure situation prematurely. Let it do its work. Come on. Why, why would God allow it? And then James tells us, because it's only when faith is under pressure, let it do its work so you become mature. Everyone say mature. So you become well-developed. Everyone say well-developed. And you are not deficient in any way. That sounds like the God I serve. My God wants me to be mature. God wants us to be well-developed. And it is the heart of God that you would not be deficient in any way. Come on. That's why God will allow us to go through the same plagues. That's why God allows us to go to Pharaoh and He hardens Pharaoh's heart to say no because he's, he's doing a faith upgrade in our heart. Would you stand to your feet where you are this morning? Just before the band worships this morning, if you're in this place and if you'd say, you know what, Pastor David, I just need a fresh impartation of faith in my life. I need, like the disciples coming to the Lord, Lord, would you increase my faith? That's me in this place this morning. If that's you, would you just raise your hands to God right where you are and the Holy Spirit is here to come and fill you afresh in this place and He's moving. Yeah, many hands. Okay, that's you, both hands. Just raise them before the Lord just as a, as a posture of surrender unto Him. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray, Lord, that the windows of heaven would be thrust open in this place. I pray for a Holy Spirit downpour in the name of Jesus in the area of faith. Lord, let little faith go to mature faith. Lord, let mature faith grow to great faith in the name of Jesus. Lord, I don't come against the no. I declare, Lord, maybe you're in the no right now. But it's a no, not never. It's a no, not yet. And so, Lord, I speak into all of the no, not yet circumstances. And Lord, I, I pray and Lord, I declare faith upgrades in the name of Jesus. Lord, engines being dropped back in. Lord, engines being upgraded in the lives of every believer in this place.
Lord, for people believing for healing, believing for finance. Lord, for restoration of relationships. Lord, for an unsaved family member in this place. Lord, let faith arise in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. Worship. Come on, let's worship Him in this place.